3: Hi there. I'm Zach Graff, and I'm Donald Faison. We're real life best friends, but we met playing fake life best friends Turk and JD on the sitcom Scrubs. Twenty years later, we've decided to rewatch the series one episode at a time
1: This is the Jabberjaw Podcast Network.
4: What's up, everybody? Hello, I'm Ray Harkins. Hopefully, you're doing great on this morning or afternoon or evening or whatever it is that you're doing while you're listening to it. Hopefully, you're being safe. If you're riding a bike, make sure you're not weaving in and out of traffic. If you're walking, make sure you're looking both ways before you cross the street. I'm just concerned about your safety because there are definitely times where I'm uh, you know, out in the world wearing my, my earbuds and people, uh, you know, like I, I put myself in a situation that <laughs> maybe isn't very safe. But anyways, that's not why you're here. You are here to talk about independent music and raise up this awesome community that we all love and love to be involved in. The guest this week is Misha Mansoor. He plays in a band called Periphery. He does a label called Three Dot Recordings, which is releasing a side project of his called Four Seconds Ago. That record comes out on September 28th. It's awesome. It's uh, ambient guitar stuff. It's just great. I really, really enjoy it. And uh, I I've traveled in the same circles as him. I have seen Periphery play. I think once at some point, and it was it was high time that we hung out because a, a very good friend of mine, a future guest in the show, manages them and uh, yeah, so we, we made it happen and it was great. So let's let's talk about some stuff before we launch into the interview because that's what we do, right? These ideas that I bring up uh, will hopefully kind of inspire some thoughts in you and get you thinking about certain things. But what I need you thinking about first and foremost, is band merch. Rockabelia.com will give you 15% off if you use the code PCJabberJaw. Please do that. Not only does it support the show and the network, but you get cool band merch at 15% off. They have over half a million items. Anything you could possibly want from so many bands. It's unbelievable. Like I got a old NXS t-shirt. They have Mastodon, Slayer. You name it, they have it. They for sure have Periphery as well. So please. Go dive in there, independently run business, open for 30 plus years, they know what they're doing. Fast shipping, great customer service, I can't say enough awesome things about this company because they're awesome, that's it, simple. So PC Jabberjaw, 15% off, dive in and you will be outfitted in band merch and it's awesome. I am doing a music industry sort of series in the month of October and one of the episodes I'm doing a mailbag. So if you have music industry related questions, please email the show 100 words at gmail.com. I've got a nice selection so far, but you know, I always like to hear what uh, people think. So if you have a idea or suggestion or question or whatever the case may be, please email the show. Okay. Do that. And I have to tell you, I had an interesting musical experience the other, the other night. I went to see a band called Gin Blossoms, which uh, many of you probably are either aware of or tangentially aware of. They were a band that kind of came up in the uh, early 90s. Uh, Around the time that, uh, you know, grunge obviously exploded and they were that band that was, uh, you know, they just they had a ton of radio hits and that record new miserable experience, if I'm not mistaken. I'm just operating off of memory, (laughs) but that's the record and uh, that record had just monster, monster hits. I wouldn't be surprised if it's like, you know, five times platinum or whatever, but I, I saw that band around that time with my father. And they were great. And I've always revisited that record. And I was like, this band's really good. And it always reminds me of a great movie too, Empire Records, because one of their songs was a part of that soundtrack. But uh, I was like, you know what? they they're playing in the general area and I thought it would be really interesting to go check them out because um, I don't know like are they just like a straight up nostalgic act I mean they just released a new record this year there's a lot of questions I had so they're playing at a random venue here in Southern California called the Coach House which is a like seated it's not technically dinner theater but they you know they serve food and it's not, um, it's really, really not like any other like show place that you normally go to when you're watching, uh, you know, independent music and not like I would really say that Jim Blossoms are independent music per se, but you know, a, a concert venue as it were is, wasn't a typical experience, but it was so interesting because here I am 37 years old, I'm old compared to probably most of you who are listening to this show, but uh, I was for sure the youngest person there, with the exception of like a few of my friends who were also there. And it was people probably, I would say, like mid to late 40s, if not older, and completely sold out. $45 ticket. That's expensive, right? <laughs> like $45. And fortunately, shout out to my, my friend, my friend Chris, for getting me into the show. Um, I just, it was so interesting. They're really good, spot on. Their hits were exactly what they were, hits. And I love seeing those, but it was just a, uh, an interesting insight to the fact that a band of that nature can exist, you know, for 20 plus years off of some really, really solid hit songs and, uh, you know, go out there and tour and do the thing and like, you know, play fairs. And, um, I don't know, it was just very, very interesting. I would love to like, you know, sit down with the person in the band and be like, just walk me through it. How, you know, when the times were, when the goings were rough, like, was it, tough. Like, did you have to like think about hanging it up or were you still holding on to some like royalty checks or I don't know. I just find it so interesting. So anyways, enough about that. How about Misha, right? He was a great chat. It was funny because we were, uh, well, he mentions it in the interview. We were talking and he was like, you know, I got in trouble when I did a podcast a while ago and I was like, Oh, I I didn't hear about that. But then I looked it up and I was like, Oh yeah, some people, you know, kind of misinterpreted what he said. Um, but yeah i just found it very funny because you know when you're doing a podcast it's long form you are talking about a bunch of different stuff rather than just like hey here's a here's a pull quote about something crazy this person said but when you listen to it in context totally normal and i mean i guess i'm speaking about the media landscape writ large about that because uh, that happens a lot of the times but anyways misha was a great chat and uh, we talked about a lot of fun stuff so here that is and i'll talk to you after the show is over and like i was mentioning uh before that you know we existed in the same universe just had never met but uh you know uh, looking at you from uh, afar i always was impressed with how prolific you are in the fa- the fact that you know you not only just did you know, periphery, but you, you know, did a lot of partnerships with gear companies and obviously created a lot of music outside of the context of that. Um, I realize this may be a big question to start things off, but you know, where does that, I guess, kind of hustle come from? Um, because not everybody kind of has that inside of them. Usually it's come from one thing or another, but, uh, can you attribute it to anything on your end?
5: Yeah, that is a big first question. Let's let's jump right in. I like it. Uh yeah, I'd say I'd say it comes from uh a huge amount of insecurity, uh imposter syndrome and uh, this fear of being a failure, I guess. All negative, very negative things. But that's probably where all that comes from, to some degree, you
4: know. No, I like, uh, I like, that. I I, <laughs> as, uh, I like that. It's not
5: very uplifting. It's not uplifting at all. <laughs>
4: no, it's. But I mean, but I mean, it's honest. I, I do think that many people feel that. Impo- I mean, I don't care how successful you are, you know. If you are a A-list movie star or a person that's like you know a quote-unquote worker bee, there's always that element of feeling like, dude, I shouldn't be here. Why, why is anybody paying attention to me? Or yeah, whatever?
5: no, no that that's that's been my entire music career because it's it it started out sort of very uh just just very casually, I guess, uh, because I just post up on forums and post my music up, and it's obviously something I always wanted, but it's something I also never thought I really deserved. So, um, you know, as it started to materialize, I was like, oh wow, like. This is happening. That's happening. Better make the most of it, because that, that that was totally a fluke. And you know, the the you know, lightning will never strike twice. So it's like, uh, just make the most of every situation and try to get as much of it uh, out of it as possible, because you're going to lose it all tomorrow. <laughs> you know, that kind of again, it's very negative. But that's kind of that's. I mean, I still feel that way. I still feel like. I think you know a big reason why I've tried to create, uh, get you know, put put my eggs in as many baskets as possible has been because I I fear that this could all end tomorrow, Mm -hmm. Uh, and I want to not be struggling if if and when that happens.
4: I I do think that you speak to, uh, core truths of people that, um, you know, basically once you start to become an adult and start to exist in the world where, you know, bills, responsibilities, whatever, all these things exist. And then, you know, you have to consider the pivot of like, okay, spending, you know, 300 days on the road is a challenging thing for anybody at any stage of life. And then, like you said, coupling it with the idea of, I don't know, this, this could, uh, this could go away. Like, you know, these Headlining tours of you know eight hundred to a thousand cap venues, you know making twenty grand a night on on guarantees. Like it, people could wake up and just be like, "Yeah, Periphery's terrible. I don't want, I don't want to listen to that anymore."
5: Yeah, but but it, it goes beyond that because that's just one thing. It's like I could lose everything, you know. Sure. And maybe maybe it was my mom who instilled bad in me. You know, my parents were very much, well, my mom especially you know what? they always made sure i didn't take anything for granted you
4: know sure um, so why why would you say why would you say your mom more or i guess why was the your mom the prevailing influence when it came that's to-
5: just that's just her personality
4: type she was she was always a worrywart i probably got a lot of my anxiety from her uh you know
5: it's probably been a good thing in a lot of ways but it's been stuff i'm working through otherwise but like i think i think uh it, it, it's also made me very cautious uh, and that's been very helpful. Um, I, I've seen a lot of people in this industry sort of have this sort of, this uh this naive uh, idealistic kind of view. And I, I probably had a little bit of that when I was starting out because if I didn't, if, if nobody had that, no one would ever enter this damn industry. <laughs> but, <laughs> right. Um, you know, <laughs> it's, uh, but at the same time, I think it did sort of help me keep everyone at arm's length, um, which is good when, you know, I think musicians generally are the kind of people who want to trust and they're generally, generally good people. So they assume the best of others. And that's like the worst thing that you could do in this industry. And I think that my mom sort of made me very cautious Where other people would have been more open, you know. Sure. So, um, and I mean, that's just the way that what the way she was meshed with me because my brother and sister are different. But right, right.
4: uh, Yeah.
5: We're no. starting this out on a dark tone and I kinda dig it. <laughs> I'm gonna be honest.
4: No, I well I, I I wouldn't go so far as to call it dark. These are just the things that people go through and I, I you know, anytime you're giving yeah. a, a voice to truth, I think that's a that's a good thing. So yeah. <laughs> I'm, glad, I'm glad you're following along. But um
5: I, I have I have made a point to, to try to be as honest as possible when it comes to this industry. And to try to, you know, what what I tell a lot of people when we do clinics or we just did our summer camp, you know, is real talk, you know, tell them, tell them how it really is because this industry is tough mm-hmm. and it's tough in a lot of ways that people don't, you know, that you would never really fathom unless you were in this situation. And there's just so much going on and there's so much, so, so many misconceptions that are, that are thrown around, um, a lot of which are easy to believe or that are comforting to believe, but are just demonstrably not true. Right. And, um, and I always believe that it's better off to just rip that bandaid off early and to know what you're up against than to sort of delude yourself into trying something and then being horribly disappointed when you're like, wait, this isn't at all what they told me it would be like. Right. So, um, yeah. Yeah. that's been, that's been my sort of approach as of late is to sort of, just just give some real talk.
4: <laughs> of course, yeah. You got to air the dirty laundry. People have to be aware of what they're stepping into. And I, I yeah, w- if you go into a situation with your eyes wide open, it's definitely much easier to, you know, not be shocked and then also be able to adapt and move past it and be like, okay, that's just what I'm dealing with. So moving right along. But um so, right, right. So, kind of, kind of, you know, uh, putting the focus on on you as an individual. So, you were, uh, from what I understand, and the you know limited uh, internet research that there is out there about you, you are uh, born and raised in Baltimore, right? No, Washington D.C. Oh, okay, so D.C. So um, Bethesda, Bethesda, Maryland, to yes. be precise. Yeah, but I am familiar with Bethesda because uh, my father was born at the. Uh, I think he was born at the naval hospital there. But uh, yeah. Oh,
5: okay. Yeah. I never say Bethesda because no one would know it. No, no. (laughs) So Washington, D.C. to most, but yes, you know.
4: Right, right. Um, and so, you know, I mean, uh, many people think of like, you know, the, the D.C. area, um, you know, it's, it's weird because it's, you know, clearly the political capital of the world and, you know, the capital of our country, um, and most people don't view that as like there are suburbs and there are other things going on, but you know, kind of like what was your sort of uh, upbringing? Like, I know you, like you mentioned, you know, brother and sister, um, you know, mother and father in your life, but you know, kind of paint a picture for me of your, your upbringing.
5: Um, I mean, it was, uh, that's a, that's a, that's a big question, a long answer. Uh, to summarize, I'd say, I, I guess it was fairly normal. I was, kind of trying to find myself and we moved around a bit, which complicated things, you know, when I was uh, eight, we moved to Belgium for three years and then came back. And when I was uh, 12 or 13, we moved to Zimbabwe for two years, which was pretty wild. Uh, and it was, it, every time you do that, it's kind of like starting again, but it was actually probably toughest coming back because, uh, you know, I wasn't a very popular kid in school uh, and and I definitely ended up, Hang out with a more alternative crowd. I didn't get into sort of modern music till I was uh, 12 or 13, maybe 14 around that age. That's when I started getting into rock. And it, I didn't even have, you know, because I'm the oldest, I didn't really have anyone to show me stuff. I didn't have friends who were into that stuff to show me a lot of music. So I was kind of uh, agnostic to most of it. But, uh, you know, I, I grew up on like classical music and like Michael Jackson and that kind of stuff. But then once I was exposed to that stuff, uh, you know then i really wanted to uh find a way to play guitar play drums and and things like that and i gravitated toward that sort of scene whatever that is um, you know and, and my parents were 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 supportive in that they didn't really understand what I, I mean i don't think any parents would really understand what that's all about my mom loves music but not that kind of music and my dad doesn't listen to music at all he, Just music is not a thing that he does. Um, So, but but again, I didn't think that was weird because when you're a kid, you just think that that's what everyone. Everyone's upbringing is like you have a very central worldview. So, like,
4: yeah, for sure. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, nothing, nothing is it, it, nothing it, is you, weird until you have other people to compare it to, and then you're just like, oh, yeah, you have no perspective. Right. You have no perspective, and it took me a while to get that perspective. But uh, yeah,
5: yeah, I guess I guess that would be my upbringing. Uh, you know, in in Bethesda, where I was, there was an expectation of success. It's one of the best public school systems in the in the country, so it's very. You know, I I remember believing that if I didn't graduate from high school, that I was going to be homeless. That's, that's basically what homeless people were—were were people who, that didn't graduate and go to college. You know, it was one or the other. You either go to college or you become homeless. Yeah, those and are- I actually believed that. You yeah, know? and and I, and I'll put it this way: no one no one ever said that, but they also didn't say that that wasn't true. You know, because they're definitely trying to push you into that college system. You were definitely seen as like. You didn't go to college. You were like that guy, you know. That guy didn't go to college. So I know that that's probably different from a lot of uh, school systems. But that's the way it was,
4: right? Yeah, um, you're either right. You're either ed- educated or destitute. Those are the only two options.
5: <laughs> and you know, my dad's a good example of someone who sort of uh, worked his way to whatever success he had. You know, uh, not that he he was ever like financially crazy successful or anything but he always worked a job they loved and was able to you know provide for a family and all that so that's what I thought was the 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 path and whenever I asked why do I go to school or whatever it's because oh yeah you go to school so eventually you can go to college so eventually you can get a job and buy a house and start a family and that's just the what I thought was the way that it worked. And I wasn't aware that there were alternatives to that till much later. Yeah. So, you know, that was, that was basically my upbringing. Yeah. So, you know, I went to university for two years for no reason. I did just cause I thought you had to go and I kind of hated everything. And I'm skipping classes and, um, recording music, you know, on my gaming computer, I just kind of discovered, Oh, you can record music at home. This opens up a whole world for me. And I was kinda like, maybe I should take a hint. I hate school. I'm not making any progress here. But here's something I enjoy. I'd rather work full time and do this in my free time. And you know, my my parents were obviously thrilled to hear that, but like I think they were supportive like in the in the in the fact that they you know, my dad said, Look, uh, the music industry's tough. And you know, there's no guarantee that no matter what you do, you're going to make it. And I said, look, I I have to try. This is something that I'm very passionate about. And I'm not passionate about anything in school. And I'm up against people that are passionate about those subjects. So I don't see why I'd be successful at that. Why not actually try to play to my strengths here? And they were like, all right, well, if you move home, we'll let you live at home, you know, for, for very cheap rent for Bethesda rates. (laughs) If you, uh, Get a full time job, and then in your free time from your job, you can do whatever you want. And if that's music, then it's music. And that's the deal that we had. And that was the happiest that I was at that time. Right. And you know, I went from a really bad place to a really good place because I finally felt empowered, and I was working towards something. You know, and I actually didn't even mind my job. You know, I worked sales at Radio Shack, and It was commissioned, and I was pretty good at it, and it was fun. I liked selling, and um, uh, it, it. I also found that doing that. I, I could work efficiently. If I sold well, that meant I had more free time to work on music. So uh, I just tried to sell as well as possible, and then work like four days a week because I could still pay the rent, you know, and still have money left over. Right. Um, and it, it was a good—it was a good situation. And I, and even if the job got tough or whatever, I always felt like I was working towards something.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah, you felt, and you, plus, you felt like you, you know, had ownership or authorship of your life because you felt like these were the decisions that absolutely you were, that you were making that would lead to a, hopefully a greater goal of what you were shooting for, as opposed to you know just running the hamster wheel.
5: Yeah, it's well said. I mean, that's that's you know, not, now that I'm talking about, it, I realize that's probably the first time that I actually took my my life into my own hands. You know, before that, everything was sort of planned out. Even going to university was. Mm-hmm. Not really something I felt I had a choice in, but yeah. this was the first time where I took I took hold of steering and it felt good to do that. I felt really good to do that.
4: Sure, sure. Well, I think I mean you know your experience is definitely um, there. It's reflective of other people that feel like they you know just go to college because they need to bide time. You know, like because most you know, people like you and I who have had the luxury of like, you know, when I say luxury or, or or the luck of, you know, being exposed to, you know, music and starting to dive into independent subculture. Um, you know, that doesn't happen for everybody. And like most kids are just aimless. And so they go to, they go to university or college where they're like, I don't know, I just need some more time to like figure it out. What I, what I like. And it's like, totally understand that <laughs> but but people like you and i that find this stuff yeah. that catches us it's like oh yeah but i just want to do this like everything else is just background noise
5: <laughs> but you know there's also something else there because you know i, I remember asking that question and you know when i was in uh, high school and they're like yeah it's fine if you don't know what you want to do you'll figure it out most most kids don't and it made me feel like oh okay i guess that's normal but really it's just a scam it's like yeah pay for a year that you won't use you know <laughs> like we'll take your money <laughs> totally. this is good you'll, you'll you'll be here for five or six years that's great for us and no one sees it that way you know like what i wish and what i encourage people to do is if you don't really know what you want to go to college for take a year off work a job you'll probably know at the end of that year <laughs> what you want to do because working sucks you know working's tough and uh you know if you if you find a path through that work then that's one thing but maybe you'll be like you know what compared to this, uh, studying this subject or that subject actually seems like it'd be really good, you know, compared to working whatever job you managed to get out of high school.
4: Right. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Um, yeah, there's, there's a lot of little things I want to pick out in there of what you were talking about with the, um, you know, it, it's that, like the, the moves that you made, um, you know, I, I presume were directly related to, cause your, your father worked in, in a lot of different government institutions, correct?
5: Well, he worked for the World Bank and the IMF and, and things
4: uh, like that. Okay, know? okay, got it. Um, so it, it, it sounds like even though the moves were you know dramatic and you were going to you know different places around the country and you had these opportunities that you know a lot of people uh, you know have in their head of like oh I, I can start over like you know no one's gonna know that I'm like you know some closeted nerd or you know whatever like I can kind of re, re you know reshape myself. Um, that, you know, that, that experience, um, you know, like you said, is hard, but I'm sure in many respects also, it kind of gave you a little resiliency to, um, you know, whatever people having an opinion about you and that sort of stuff.
5: Um, no, I, I mean, you know, whenever I started again, it was all, it was like, it was refreshing because I could do a better version of myself but I always found it was tough coming back cause I always came back to the same school system. So there my stock hadn't risen, you know, uh, if anything, it had fallen and it was a battle to like sort of uh, get back. It's a weird thing. And I could go on into, uh, you know, I, I, I could go on a long tangent about that stuff. But I don't know that's particularly interesting uh, <laughs> sure. for what people may be listening for here, but, but the, yeah, moving stocks and having to start over is a lot of work. Yeah. Um, that's definitely like when you're you know around that age in those developmental years it can be can be challenging you know i'm sure there's some benefits that come out of it but overall i'd probably say if you can avoid it don't move you know when (laughs) your kids are like eight to to 13 you
4: know (laughs) yeah yeah no no totally totally If, if you can yeah um and you uh th- this is me just kind of playing you know a uh, pop psychology armchair psychologist or whatever but you you strike me as uh an obsessive person um and and not in a bad way just in a way that uh i, I guess i personally can identify other people because i'm obsessive myself um and so was that was that kind of like how once you started to uh, i guess like get into music and the sort of the, the the technical aspect of it and the the sort of you know work you know, the, the work that you need to put in in order to become proficient at an instrument. Um, is, is that kind of correct, or was that, did you kind of, like, ease into it?
5: Uh, it it's interesting, I mean, yeah. I, I would definitely say, like, when I get into something, I get into it, and that's, like, kind of all I do. But I also don't have sort of a regimented approach. You know, I tend to just go in without reading the manual and try to figure it out, which is fun for me. Maybe not the most efficient way to learn something, uh, but but it, it offers its own sort of satisfaction, I guess. Um, and that's that's the way I, I approached uh, basically everything when it came to this. You know, um, there would be some aspect of of trying to learn on the side or whatever, but but really most of most of the satisfaction, most of the fun came from just sort of jumping in and seeing what happens.
4: Right. Right. And what was, um, I mean, like you said, you, you, um, you know, you didn't have a strong influence from, you know, your parents or your older siblings in regards to music. So how did stuff kind of like, especially, you know, of the independent strain and, you know, metal and that sort of stuff, how did that get introduced to you? Was that just like you tripping across it on the internet or, um, other people kind of randomly? Chug- no, I mean,
5: it was probably hanging with, with the people I did in, uh, Middle school or in high school, I guess. Yeah, in high school, you know, I had like uh, this guitarist that I played with because I was playing. I started out on drums, and uh, he introduced me to a lot of stuff like Corn and uh, Slipknot, and you know, that new metal era. Like, sure, I, I think just kind of, and then that that rabbit hole opened up. You know, that, you know that there's just a, a whole path you go down from there. That, that became dream theater tool eventually became Meshuggah, you know, it, it just kind of, I, I found that like the, the more progressive stuff always tended to catch my ear, that stuff that was like, you can do that. Wow. That's amazing. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know that you could do that.
4: Right. Right. <laughs> no, that's cool. Um, and, and like you mentioned, you, um, you also were interested in, in drums when you first started to, you know, kind of, play around with stuff um i, I guess what kind of what gave a guitar more of a weight to that rather than you know focusing your, your your discipline on drums
5: university okay um when i when i started uh i, I didn't really have a place to practice drums and this is, i always talk about this this is one of the major benefits of being a drummer when you start out is, you know, the people who usually practice at your place. So the guitarist would just leave his stuff there because it was just a pain to bring it back. So I had guitars around. He had a seven string guitar. That was my first exposure to a seven.
2: the show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all want more time in our lives. You know, whether it's like, dang, I wish I had like another hour to, you know, play video games or read more or get outside or whatever it is. I know myself that's I actually get questions a lot in regards to this podcast. How do you fit it in your day? And like, how do you do the interviews and all that stuff to be able to then balance the rest of my life from my work and, you know, playing in a band and I have a family, all of these things. But that is why therapy is so awesome because it helps you be able to sort out your life to focus on the things that for one really matter to you and two try to find more time for those things that you love. That is why I love working with BetterHelp because if you need to find a therapist, they're there for you. So give them a try. It's entirely online. It's designed to be convenient for you and they can be suited to your schedule. And you fill out a brief questionnaire, matches you up with your own personal therapist. And if you do not like that experience, you can switch it. No problem. No questions asked. It's great. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Ray today to get 10% off of your first month. It's an offer just for you, the listener of this podcast. That's BetterHelp.com slash Ray.
0: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the capital region turn to for nonstop action all winter long.
5: Uh, but yeah, he, he'd just leave his gear. So I'd always be fucking around on that stuff. Um, you know, he even had a, a little a tape 4 track recorder that he would leave there so that we could record songs and I'd play around with that all the time. Um, so uh, I, I was the sort of beneficiary of uh, uh, his his unwillingness to load his car up every time he'd come He'd just leave his stuff there and I had all these toys to play with. And then when I went to university I was like, well, you know, I've been playing around on guitar, maybe I should take that more seriously since I can actually practice that every day, unlike the drums. So uh that became what we did. Or what we did, what I did.
4: I am absolutely thrilled to announce this partnership I have with YouTube Music. Now You've been there just like I have, where you dive down to a rabbit hole and there's so much music to discover on there. You can spend hours exploring new artists and songs. Now there's an app to make it so much easier. YouTube Music is a brand new music streaming service combining everything you'd expect from a streaming service with the magic of YouTube to bring it all to life. They make it easy to find the music you're looking for, whether it's official albums, singles, music videos, live performances, and even covers and remixes. You don't know the song's name? Search by the lyrics. Super simple. The app gives you recommendations based on taste, location, and time of day. And you can easily find the music trending around you, no matter where you are. And with YouTube Music Premium, it's even better. So you can get ad-free music that plays with the screen on or off while using other apps Enjoy your music wherever you want it, even when you're offline. Download the new YouTube music app today and start a 30-day free trial. Then enjoy music for just $10 a month. Of course, terms and restrictions apply, but YouTube music, it's all here. The service is incredible. I love it, okay? Go. Download the app. Try it out. Super, super awesome, Okay? Thank you, YouTube. I guess technically, is Periphery kind of like your first band, or did you have uh, other sort of band playing show experiences before that?
5: So it's funny. I had one band in, uh, in so I went to University of Toronto for okay. a couple of years. I had, a, I had one band there, and we were called Bulb. And anyone who's listening here who knows that as my nickname, that's where it comes from. Got it. Um, the band was called Bulb. I, I started up a page for it, and I was uploading songs there. But that band broke up. I started with my best friend at the time, uh, who was a guitarist, and he, uh, you know, we, we we had some writing chemistry, but he wanted to take things in one direction, I wanted to take it in another, and it's that sort of classic story, it sort of ripped down the middle. And uh, I actually haven't talked to him since. Not not that I hold anything against him. it's just like, that's a, yeah, the life, way that life moves on, out, I guess. You know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, but uh, but uh, you know, it, it it definitely ended our friendship, uh, which sucks. So that that made me kind of jaded to that and was like, all right, maybe, you know, I, I think I always had a pretty clear vision of what I wanted. And once I was start recording on the computer, it gave, gave me a tool to actually create that vision and yeah. see it out the way I want it. So then I was like, well, maybe with this, I can just get things done the way I want. Um, and it, rather than try to express my vision through weird abstractions and conversation, like, Oh man, I want it to sound kind of like this. Then, you know, I can actually just show people, <laughs> what i wanted it to sound like given them a concrete example of it right uh and and that ended up being a, a huge benefit because then you know people with who that resonated with they they if they gravitated towards that and then joined up they couldn't come bit come in and be like okay but i think now we got to change it and be like this it was kind of this understanding like no you've got a you've got a vision for it and i dig that and we're going to move along that path and i think that was really helpful
4: and I, I, that uh, you saying all of that, like that, that really just triggered something in my head because um, I, I think that really was a huge shift in um, independent music once, you know, uh, the, the advent of, you know, the at home recording, I mean, people always did at home recordings, but you know, basically whatever early 2000s right. is when, um, things really started to shift. Cause I mean, I played in a hardcore band from like 97 till about 2004, you know, we toured and we did our thing, but like, it was definitely always, you know, us in a room hashing stuff out. And like you said, the idea of combining visions and, you know, this person wanted to be more heavy, this person wanted it to sound more like Snapcase or whatever. Um, But if you, in the same way that like, uh, you know, I don't know, just randomly comparing you to like a person like Larry David, who's like, okay, I know what I want Seinfeld to be like here, let let me show you these things or whatever. So like that auteur theory really can take hold in many different respects with independent music. And like you said, you can kind of get people on the same page much quicker than just being like, oh, yeah, I guess we're going to, like, hopefully strike gold with these, you know, four or five people in a room, because that's hard.
5: <laughs> and and ironically, all I ever wanted was to have a band to jam with. I, I didn't, I didn't want to be the guy. I didn't want to, I just wanted to play in a band, and to me, the idea of, like, getting in a room with like-minded musicians, jamming things out, having them evolve... Uh, you know, which which I did like I, I did see that happen uh, to some degree, and I always thought that was awesome. I loved that, but it always seemed to fall apart at some point, and then sometimes the, beyond the point of repair, right? So it just seemed like maybe the easiest way to get what I wanted would be to approach it backwards and to kind of
4: reverse engineer. Get
5: yeah, reverse engineer and be like, okay, well, this is the vision. This is how I'm going to basically. Put out what I'm chasing, and, and and then if people join up, they know the deal, and then hopefully we can work that into sort of a collaborative thing. That was always the goal.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, I I like that because I mean essentially it's the same. Uh, principle of like you said or, you know getting getting people in a room but you know all you're doing is like you have um, rather than like you know this esoteric examples of like okay I, I want to sound like you know hate breed meets meshugah, like you know because all you're talking about is generalities you're like well what do you like about hate breed? right exactly you know? right and so like to actually impact but if, you
5: hear, if you hear the song you're like oh okay that's that, I see what I see what you're doing there
4: and right. that's and
5: I, I, I dig that and therefore i'm coming and understanding that this is this is a vision
4: yeah 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 no it makes total sense and like i said i really didn't think about it in those terms from uh from the ability of bands to uh start with that 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 focal point in mind rather than um you know i mean of course clearly there's evolution of periphery over the years but you know to have that uh that that starting off blueprint is much easier than being like all right third record in now we figured out who we are. Um, not saying because you're, yeah, and
5: it, and it did. It did make it did make all the difference. So you know that's 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 why my only other band was ever that the other band because it, it made all the difference.
4: <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I like that. I, yeah, I just like I said, I, it it shook something loose in my head. I was like, I never really considered that, but yeah, it makes total sense. Um, doing, uh, you know, c- kind of looking at where um you know most people identify the you know the the music that you play you know technical metal gent whatever you want to call it um the you know there there are a lot of people who uh and this is me playing sort of devil's advocate uh argument here (laughs) a lot of people view this sort of you know technical aspect of you know uh shredders and people who are you know using seven string guitars as being like okay like cool they're really talented at what they do but like there's no feeling behind it. There's no, you know, you're just, you know, it, it's masturbatory, just like, you know, doing the guitar stuff you're doing and stuff like that. Um, you know, it, clearly that is something you disagree with. Uh, and I, I, I presume that you've had discussions with people that, you know, kind of come at you like that will be like, Oh, it's really, yeah. Like you technically you guys are really good, but like, I don't feel it in the way I feel like, you know, whatever name, other band, A, B and C. Um, have those been discussions that you've had at all? Or is that something that it just doesn't even come on your radar?
5: Not really. I mean, um, you know, it's funny. That the technical aspect of the band is not something that concerns me. Um, I I don't care if people think we're technical or not. Uh, I never have. Uh, the bands, I'll give you a great example of a band uh, that, that I think does it right. Six, if you're familiar with them. Yep. Um, they, they, they are masters of the rift but what I think they did so well was, you know, they put out this album, Death of a Dead Day, which was really like, like just one of my favorite albums of all time. And what I remember thinking was, like, these are just great songs and these are engaging songs. And then when I sat down to learn them on guitar, because I wanted to learn some of the riffs, I was like, wow, this stuff's really technical. But my first takeaway was that they were good songs. And that always stuck with me. That, that, that's the goal. The goal is not to, to make it about technique. And, and I think I'd, I'd agree with a lot of people. Like a lot of this stuff is sort of masturbatory. It's sort of how technical, how fast. And that's not the point. The point should be, in my opinion, to craft good songs and cool songs. That should be the, 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 the goal. And I think that's the disconnect is a lot of people have trouble or don't really consider the song. They want it to be uh, about the riff. Uh, or about the part, or a way to sort of show what what you can do. Right, right. Uh, right. If I have any critique of our earlier stuff, is that it it it, it definitely is guilty of that at times. Sure. Uh, it's definitely, and and that makes sense with the debut. We were we, there was an aspect of like like here we are, check us out, you know. Right. But and, and that pressure is gone. But we've never even back then we never cared about technicality. Like I'm not a great guitarist. I make do with what I have. I, I just want to write music. And I tell people this all the time. You know, I don't even consider myself a good musician. I just enjoy it. It's something I do. I enjoy it. And, and you know, a, a good analogy is I'm I i, I I'm not that great at video games, but I, I love video games and I <laughs> play them all the time. Right. So, you know, the fact that I don't consider myself that good at it doesn't mean that I don't want to do it. It's something that I do very selfishly. I don't really care if people think it's technical. I don't care if they think it's good or not. I'm still going to do it.
4: Yeah, oh first no, it's a, it's a good analogy because yeah, it's <laughs> not everybody is going to, you know, be the A+ plus master of whatever it is that they're doing, but it's like, you know, if you're proficient, and you get the job done and you enjoy it, then like why would you limit yourself? <laughs> You'd be like, "Oh, I'm not the master Yeah. So I I'm, I'm, I'm not like uh, you know, I'm not like uh Terry Bozio on drums." It's like, "Well, no, no one can be because he he is who he is and you just do your own thing of it."
5: Right. And and You know, for me, technique and all that stuff is really just a tool to get the ideas out of my head efficiently um, and to maybe be able to get away with ideas that that I can't get away with now, you know, to sort of push. If there's an idea where, where it does require technical skill to pull off, but I think it sounds good, that's something worth chasing but not just for the technique. Like if it's just like, oh, that's a techie sounding riff and man, the fans will really love that. Man, they're going to say that's hard to play. Like that's just, that's not interesting to me. And I'm very rarely interested by music that sort of is, is born of that uh, thought process.
4: Yeah, for sure. No, it makes sense. Um, so as, as you started to like, you know, play shows and be on stage and, um, you know, take this this vision that you worked on, you know, with, with others out there, Uh, you know, like, were you nervous to play on stage and stuff like that? Was that a difficult transition for you taking it, you know, out of the proverbial bedroom and garage?
5: You know, I, I always thought I'd be nervous to play on stage. And I think I was always nervous about being nervous. Like I was always nervous right before we'd go on stage because I'm like, man, I I feel like I'm going to be so nervous. And then the second I got on stage, it's like you don't even have time to be nervous. You're setting up, and then you start, and you just enjoy it. So I never really had problems with that. It was more nervous about being
4: nervous, if that makes sense. Right, right. The yeah, the the, the nerves before of like, oh, I think I'm going to be nervous. But right. Yeah. Right. Yeah. True. It is. Always- and then
5: you. And then when I actually when I actually get onto the sk the stage, then I'm always surprised that there's no nerves. It just felt very natural immediately.
4: Right. Yeah, that's true. Because then once you're up there, you're not, um, you're not thinking about anything. A lot of it just is instinctual and based off of feeling. And yeah, it, it, but I,
5: but I would freak out because I thought I would get up on the stage and like, freeze and like, you know, have like a mini panic attack or something. Right. But
4: or you forget this on the
5: contrary. I was always taken aback by how sort of just like, it felt like almost like nothing. It just felt like, Oh, on stage well we better get started i guess yeah
4: yeah yeah. we got we got 30 minutes to play let's do this (laughs)
5: let's do this yeah
4: yeah Um, and you know, something I always find interesting, uh, because I know a lot of people have their moments in their head, uh, of where, you know, the thing that they're doing starts to, um, you know, attract people and people start to identify with it. Um, you know, once you started to, you know, tour and put out records and and take it out there, um, you know, do you have, uh, they don't have to be moments that are as like crystallized as like, Oh, I remember the first time we sold out a venue or whatever. Um, You know, do you have those moments in your head where it's just like, oh my gosh, like, I guess this thing that, you know, that, that I was just thinking about in my head is now out there and people are identifying with it. Do you have any moments that kind of stick out of uh, that, that sort of elicit that feeling?
5: Yeah, but they were always tempered with that feeling of like, but you don't deserve any of this. It's it's all going to go away. So, (laughs) So I don't know that I was ever able to fully enjoy that. I don't ever really, uh, Allow myself to fully enjoy those moments, you know, which I'm sure something I'd probably need to work out with my therapist. But
4: <laughs> yeah, maybe, maybe, you know, t- maybe take.
5: I, a, I think take that's a breath. always been that's always been an aspect. That's always been an aspect of it. I think.
4: Right. Right. <laughs> but do i mean like the whatever removing the notion of you not allowing yourself to enjoy anything uh like are do you have those moments of like the you know a a tour that stood out early in your you know band's life or whatever that was like oh wow like this yeah this is really meaningful
5: yeah no absolutely absolutely there's some shows that have stood out you know um like one of the first shows that we played in Tokyo uh, that we we headlined a very small club like may, maybe like 250 people mm-hmm. uh, but it was packed and it was you know it, it was uh, it was sold out it was just crazy energy in there crazy energy no barricade that was one of my favorite moments on stage nice um, you know other ones would be like playing London and Manchester last time we were there massive massive shows and the energy coming from the crowd is, is literally palpable at that point. Like you feel something, right. and that is something that it, you don't, it, uh, not only you don't always feel, but it, it's rare to feel at that sort of degree. Sure, and those were special. Those, so those, those are the moments that sort of stick with you. But, and there's tons, you know, there's just, touring is, touring is a, a whole thing. But, but there, uh, there are some really special moments that come from touring and some really unforgettable sort of feelings and, uh, yeah, moments where I'm just sitting back. Like we have this, uh, we have this joke where, uh, you know, if someone's complaining about something on tour, we'll always like, we'll always just kind of just, just joke around being like, you know. Like, let's say they complain about something silly. It'll be like,
1: Oh, I have to tour the world with my friends. Uh,
5: you know? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just kinda of make fun of them. Because like 'cause ultimately, you know, it's like, oh man, that sucks. I have to hang out with my friends every day and play music with them. Oh, you know. And of course that's not to say that you don't have problems that and that they aren't real, but it's just it does kind of also highlight the absurdity of what it is that we're doing to some degree. Like, yes, it is a lot of work but it is a lot of work centered around the fact that we are hanging out with our best friends and playing music.
2: Yeah,
4: to- <laughs> right. It's always like, yeah. Keeping, keeping things in perspective, but actually that dovetails nicely. Cause I was going to talk to you about, um, your probable evolution on, uh, you know, touring and, you know, cause when you first start to do it, it's clearly exciting and you know, you're, you're kind of running off of adrenaline and endorphins as you have all these different experiences. But then over time, you know, it, it evolves into like, okay, well, technically this is kind of like my office and my workspace. It looks different than many other people's, but, um, you know, it kind of Flows into that element of work, but um, you know how how has uh, touring kind of evolved in your head um, from either an aspect of like I used to enjoy it, I do it now because I have to, or like you know is a, it's probably a mixture of a lot of those things.
5: Oh, well, it's pretty interesting. Again, I'm probably just gonna give some real real talk here, but <laughs> I you know we, I love it. We took a year. We took a we took a year off to do this album, but a large part of it was because at the end of last year. Last few tours I did, like the European one and the, the headliner, which were, by the way, pretty ideal tours in and of themselves and were were good times and whatever. I don't know if it was me, where I was in my life, or just being burnt out or what, but I was like, guys, I'm not enjoying this, and I'm going through the motions. And, you know, I don't know if I want to do the next tour. Like, I don't want to quit the band. I love writing, and I love writing with the guys. But I don't know if I want a tour anymore. Uh, I don't know if it's for me. Because the the, the cons are starting to outweigh the pros. And, um, you know, that's something that the, the band took very seriously. And I think some of them were were getting burnt out. And not, not as severely as me, but they were feeling similar things. And, you know, it was suggested, like, well, maybe we need to just take some time away and maybe we take that time to like make an album and to, to spend more time on an album than we ever had the luxury to do before. But I needed that. I needed that really bad. Um Because if we had had another tour, I would have sat it out and been like, yeah, let's hire a fill in. You know, I don't, I don't want to do that. Sure. So, um, and I'm, 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 I'm really lucky to have, you know, group, uh, you know have my have my band be so supportive and understanding like there there are people I can talk to about anything that's not an easy conversation to have at any point with anyone, but they were very understanding very supportive and basically found the perfect solution immediately so you know i I, I do consider myself very lucky to have that support system Sure, but um, you know it, it it worked well and I will say this, uh, time away does make me more more excited uh, about the prospect of touring.
0: Discover BetMGM, the betting app sports fans in the Capital Region turn to for nonstop action all winter long. Take the excitement of football, basketball, and hockey to the next level with same-game parlays, exclusive signature bets, odds boost promos, and much more. BetMGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly and offer resources to help you make appropriate choices. Please gamble responsibly. BetMGM.com for terms and conditions. Must be 21 years of age or older to wager. Washington, D.C. only. Please gamble responsibly. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER.
6: Witness the dawning of a new era in automotive luxury with a reveal unlike any other as Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.
5: been working on makes me very excited about playing that stuff live um i don't know how i'll feel so it's very possible at the end of the next tour that i might be like no it's, it's the same as last time but maybe maybe all i did need was just a break maybe i was just getting burnt out yeah um everyone has a, a different tolerance for touring so uh, and it's and tough it, it, it's its own thing you know some people can stay on the road all year long and you know can't get enough of it some people can mm-hmm can't handle it at all, and I think I'm somewhere in between. So it's, you know, maybe I am getting burnt out for good, or maybe I was just getting burnt out then, and I just needed that break, and I'll be good to go. But we'll find out, I suppose.
4: Yeah, yeah. No, totally. In a world where
3: everyone is confined to their homes, society begins its largest bin watch to date. In the hallowed library of Hulu, or perhaps on a shelf of DVDs you haven't looked at in a decade, is a show that perfectly encapsulates life in the early aughts.
4: you basically just has to do with who a person is, you know, like the whole, whatever, extrovert, introvert, like, you know, clearly introverted people, that's a tough ask for them to be around people, you know, literally 17 hours of the day in small confines. And then if they're not in small confines, they're, you know, located a a four block radius around a venue. And it's like, uh, you can't, you can't expect people like that to l- look at the, the notion of touring and be like, you know what? that sounds like a great idea for like nine months out of the year. I'm just going to be overrun with people. And that's a, that's a hard, yeah. A hard list. We
5: weren't even, we weren't even touring that much, you know, sure, but sure. it's just the, all of the aspects of touring. Uh, it, Cause it's, it's tough. But you know, when you, when you go to Europe for five weeks and you're really hustling and you're, and it's a tough tour for a number of reasons. And it's just kind of taking it out of you. And at the end of it all, you find out that you walked away with no money, you know, for five weeks of work. It's just, it's very demoralizing. So, uh, it, you know, and that's not to say that we don't, that we always make no money from tours. European tours are expensive. That one was routed particularly terribly, but, um, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things that go into, into touring and I think at that point in time, at least, I, I was just feeling like, man, if there's another tour, I'd rather just stay home. Um, but luckily, right now, especially with this this new material, I'm actually, I think, well, I know some of the guys in the band can't wait to get back out on the road because for them, this break's been maybe a bit more torturous than <laughs> it has been for me. But yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah totally. But uh, but I, I I actually genuinely can say that, like, especially for. I think the next tour we do will be playing new songs, and that That'll I'm give really really excited. Yeah, that that yeah, and, and well, in general it would, but then there's also just some of these songs I think will work so well live. Nice. Um, nice. That, that that I'm just excited.
4: Yeah, to be able to, yeah. Anytime you're introducing something new into, uh, you know, what it is you're doing, you always feel, um, you know, that's why every band's new record is the best record they've ever wrote, because it's recency bias. (laughs) They're like, oh, yeah, this is the best thing I ever wrote. And it's like, yes, it is right now. And then you'll have perspective on it. But that doesn't matter, because what you're experiencing recently is the most important. Like, that's just, that's the reality of the world we live in. But the
5: um, I'd argue differently for Periphery, but yeah,
4: <laughs> no, no, that's I, I argue away. Like, like our, our album
5: got better and better as we went on. <laughs> our yeah. first ones are worse, and our last ones are best. And this is with two years separating us and a new album and the one we're working on. I think is our best. I think probably a lot of people will hate it, but you know who cares?
4: Right, exactly. Well, my yeah.
5: favorite It's definitely my favorite. It's my favorite experience recording the right. best of band's ever written, gotten along. It's, and we finally had the time to sort of do all the iterations and changes that we want and look at these songs, you know, after spending some time with them. Right. Um, so I, I'm sure a lot of people say it's our worst or the, <laughs> that they hate it, but um, but that really doesn't matter because, like, I'm stubborn and when, when I think something is good, I think it's good. And when I think something sucks, I think it sucks. Right. So, yeah. Our first our first album is our worst album and this last one is our best. Yeah. Objectively. Right. And if you disagree, you're wrong.
4: Right. <laughs> which is <laughs> w- which which some would argue like uh, well, Misha, yeah, obviously you're going to say that because you're you're so close to it. You know all of the ins and outs of it, you know, clearly you wrote it and clearly you had this experience and then a person that uh, you know, can listen to the record once through can really have a more informed opinion of uh your your record than you can. <laughs>
5: <laughs> yeah well i mean you know you're all it's all of a sudden like you're talking like music is subjective or something yeah exactly don't be, don't, don't talk crazy i know that's don't so talk wh- crazy talk man
2: it's so weird right <laughs>
4: <laughs> yeah right, art, very weird. art 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 is only one thing and one thing only okay <laughs> yeah that's the way i like it <laughs> exactly uh l- last thing i wanted to really kind of hit on was the um you know, uh, clearly as uh, people, you know, put a focus on, you know, all, all the musical projects that you put out there, you know, everyone, uh, well, not everyone, but there's a subset of people, uh, that just get, you know, obsessed about, you know, gear and the way that, you know, you record stuff and the way that, you know, your guitar sounds playing through a certain amp or a pedal. Um, you know, I, I could be m- no further removed from that. Uh, I, I screamed in all the bands that I played in. And if I ever went to a guitar center, I just wanted to like, you know, uh, leave immediately. Um, um, so the gear, obset- the gear obsession is, is foreign to me, but I imagine that, you know, they're like, clearly you like gear, you are, are uh, a fan of it, but you know, I'm sure that there are moments where people, uh, you know, just constantly punish you on <laughs> information about your gear, your pedals and all that sort of stuff. And you kind of just want to, uh, maybe step away from that and be like, well, like, did you like listen to the songs or anything? Um, or do you, ha- you not have a relationship with uh, a lot of people like that?
5: no i'm a I'm a gear nerd, so I'll, I'm always happy to talk about gear i'm you. I'm the polar opposite of you when it comes to that uh, <laughs> nice. i've always I've always been fascinated you know, and I started with so little um so i'm 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 kind of both sides of this because on one hand, I do see this tendency for people to want to buy their way out of problems so it's like oh, I've got a problem uh, but if I buy this thing that that problem will go away when usually it's just user error or Lack of knowledge or lack of skill, right? Um, uh, I I started with nothing, you know, with a Behringer V amp and like the sound card in my computer, and I was able to extract just about everything I could get out of that when I was starting out. And I got a pod, and eventually, you know, I, I have I have more gear than any anyone should right rightfully have right now, but. Uh, that's slowly built up over the, uh, what, like, uh, what is it now, 2018, 16 years I've been doing music. So it's easy to look at it now and be like, oh, he's a gear horror. And yeah, I am. You know, let's be honest, I am. But I also think I, I started out the right way, which is to try to understand. Like when I got a, an Axe Effects for the first time, I knew exactly what I was getting into and I had no trouble dialing it in because I'd, you know, used. the the line six pod x3 and the xt to to the full extent of what they could do and then when i got this thing that was better i understood why it was better and i understood exactly what i could get out of it um immediately and it was just this huge upgrade and i was crazy about it and i I still love the axe effects but i can't tell you how many people then will get an axe effect hit me up and be like man, I you know I don't know how to make this thing sound good. And it's like, man, I don't have solutions for you there. If you can't get this thing to sound good, then maybe it's just not the thing for you, you know? Right. Um, right. And I think a lot of people, uh, you know, I, I also see that side because I've definitely been guilty of that too, of just going crazy with gear, being like, that'll solve the problem. And then quite honestly realize, no, it doesn't. It doesn't solve the problem at all. It might give you a different flavor. It might make, you know, some workflow thing easier. And it'll, it'll help a little bit here or there. But really, like the the thing you got to work on is you, which sounds so cliche and gross. Uh, I don't want to end things that way.
4: No, 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 no. I was. I was gonna. I, I was gonna ask one more thing after that. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> Yeah,
5: yeah.
4: That's just like, <laughs> terrible, terrible. I Misha, I, I have to admit, I really appreciate the fact that you, you think about uh this this thing in context. You like you're like, I don't want the button on the interview <laughs> to be the last negative thing. I like that. I appreciate that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um the uh the the last thing that I actually am going to ask you was the uh, the, the notion of like what you were talking about when you were butting up against you know, going into, you know, college and kind of going through the motions and, you know, your parents, you know, being supportive and saying, Hey, you can move home and stuff like that. Um, and, you know, kind of pursue these two things, uh, in conjunction with one another, uh, how does their relationship, um, you know, with you and, you know, your success that you've had in a uh, music world that they, you know, presumably don't understand. Um, you know, is it one of those things where they're just like, Hey man, you, you, you keep doing you. That's awesome. I mean, we don't understand it. Like, you know, do they come to shows? Like, How's that whole whole thing kind of uh, suss itself out?
5: Well, it's interesting. You know, my dad and my parents were supportive, but they were responsibly supportive. My parents have always been the people who didn't believe in giving me a handout. They wanted they wanted to help, but they were like you're not getting anything for free. You know, like for example, when I came out of school, they could have just been like, "Okay, you can live at home." But they wanted to charge me rent, not cuz they needed the money, but they wanted me to not be lazy. They're like If you're going to use music as an excuse to be lazy, then we're not going to be part of this. But if you work and get a full-time job and you want to do music in your free time, then that's fine. And you're going to pay us rent because that's what people do in the real world. They pay rent, you know? Uh, and, and I'm grateful for that. They never, they never gave me anything outright. They would always help me. Um, Another example, like my first real guitar was this Les Paul. My buddy was saying oh Les Paul, he bought for two grand, he had to sell you something for a grand. I was like, It's the best deal ever, it's half price. I don't have the money. And I was in high school. They're like, All right, well we'll 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 loan you the money to get the guitar. But you're gonna work a summer job this summer. And if you don't make enough to pay pay for the guitar, we're gonna sell the guitar. So uh, so I worked that summer and I and I bought that guitar. And those, those skills are really what they wanted me to learn. And I'm really grateful. I think that that was the best support that I ever could have gotten. And that plus sort of me dropping everything and, and chasing, you know, it's not that my parents were against it. They just wanted to make sure that one, I wasn't going to be lazy. And two, I knew what I was up against. But, you know, after that, my dad's always told me, he's really proud of me for, for kind of going against the grain and really just taking that leap of faith there. Because it, it was scary, and he knows that it was scary, and he, he had to do something kind of similar in his job at one point as well. Around that time, it was a, kind of an interesting parallel, and it worked out, you know, in, 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 in somewhat similar ways. But right. as you know, he's always told me that he's been very proud of me, and my mom, my mom too. You know, I think, I think that whatever might have been disguised as them not supporting me was just concern, and in hindsight, very, very rightful concern. You know, I probably would tell someone who's, or I have told people who are interested in this industry, the exact same thing, or even worse, because I'm aware of so much more than they were. You know, yeah, um, totally. And again, this has gotten misconstrued so many times. I've gotten shit for people to say I'm complaining about the music industry, I'm complaining about being in a band, and that's a lie. I, the music industry's been great to me. I have an awesome life. Um, you just need to know what you're up against. I'm trying to educate people because there's this myth that like. Oh, to make it in this industry, you just have to want it really bad and work really hard uh, and and just have passion and be dedicated. Just all this motivational bullshit. It's all crap. That's not true. That's baseline. That's baseline stuff right there. Anybody who isn't doing that isn't even playing the same game that you are. So everybody who's in here who has an actual shot is working hard, is giving everything that they got. That's your actual competition. So that's where you start. That's your lottery ticket. And then you go from there. And, and this industry owes musicians nothing. It owes talent nothing. The most talented musicians never make it. you know. Right? Or if they do, it has nothing to do with their talent. It has everything to do with everything else. And a lot of times it has to do with their, their business smarts uh, you know, whatever big business acumen you have will help. And unfortunately, a lot of that is, is innate. I never took business classes. I don't know why I'm the way I am. I don't know why I've seen it. it. might just be dumb luck on my part. I may not even be good at business. I don't, you know, I don't know, but, but I've, I've had good luck in this industry. Uh, and, and then with that luck, I've been able to, to capitalize on it. But sure. That's, that's the lesson and people don't like hearing that because I'm basically a dream crusher I'm saying like a lot of these guys are not going to make it you aren't it's not the hard work the hard work is that's a given that's, that's where you start the luck what you do with that luck your team the everything the, the, the luck that just seems impossible and seems to work out several times in a row like if I had to start a band again I wouldn't because it would be impossible you know? Right. Knowing what I know and this is why I said in the beginning. That that night that, na- that naive idealism, you need a bit of that. Because if you knew what I knew, you probably wouldn't start a band.
4: Right. <laughs> you know? No, totally. You get
5: you and ha- I'm not trying to I'm not, yeah.
4: Yeah, I was just gonna say you ha you have to uh you have to be Uh, you know, a young dumb kid in order to do that stuff because yeah, you're not, you don't have any worries, you don't care and that's fine. And that's like you said, that's the place that you need to start off with rather than, you know, this like, you know, (laughs) whatever, a grizzled old veteran at the age of, you know, 35 or 36 that has seen the music industry. It's like, oh yeah, you, you, you would never do it again.
5: Right. And, and, and so I'm not discouraging that. And I think people should definitely try. But if you're going to try, I think it's good that you know what you're up against. You know, I think it's important that you, you know, like with anything, anything else, you say, be prepared, be prepared. And how can you be prepared if you don't know what you're actually up against? If you have some delusion about how this industry works. Uh, and and it's also ever changing. And it's as, as cutthroat as ever. And there's less money than there ever was in it. So, you know, if money is a concern, if you're getting into the music industry and they're saying, you know, oh, I don't want a lot of money. I just want to, you know, make enough to get by. Like, you know, like, oh, if I could even make like 40-50k a year, like understand that netting 40-50k a year after taxes, after everything is crazy right now. If you're, uh, you know, if you're in any style of music, yeah. unless you're like a solo artist, and even then it's hard, but like it will be maybe like four times easier, you know? Yeah. But uh but yeah and when I say solo artist I don't mean like you have a band that you pay out. I mean that like you're like a DJ
4: or something. Yeah, you're know? you the only human but, being getting paid. Uh, but
5: <laughs> yeah, you're the only human being that gets paid. But it's it's so tough and there's more competition than ever. Um so again, not complaining, not discouraging people. Just know what you're up against so that you have a fighting chance when those opportunities
4: come. And I think, I think to your point too, it's all about, and I mean, most of life is about this of managing expectations. You know, if you come in yep. you know, clear eyed to a scenario where it's just like, yo, I want to do this thing because like, I like it and I want to build my life around it because I like it. And yes, I'm going to take a, you know, transitory job working at a bagel shop because I just want to be able to like tour and they'll allow me to tour. Like that's cool. And that's fine. Um, but you need, like you said, you need, that's to ha- the right attitude, right? Exactly. That's the right attitude. Because you just the, the
5: attitude of like, well, I need to make it in like 3 years and I need to be making uh, this amount of money get out and of I here. want this. It's like, dude, don't even bother. No. Because you're going to lose to the guy who doesn't care about that stuff. Right. Right. Because they're going to try and they'll, they'll actually take the opportunities. They're not if you focus on money you're not gonna get it. You're you're gonna you're gonna be disappointed really really early on. You're gonna have a bad time. Yes. Uh, and you're getting into it for the wrong reason because it's just like if you want to make money, you're picking basically the
4: worst industry. <laughs> you know, <laughs> totally. Like, dude, there's there's something that's called Wall Street and finance and banking. Like, if you're looking to make money, yeah, like, just like do that, and you know, like probably and, take- and
5: those you can you can do a lot better with a lot less work and a lot less heartache. Oh. So just do that. Yeah. If you want to if you wanna make music because you're passionate about it, you definitely can. And if you're lucky and you play your cards right, you might be able to make a little bit of money. And if you're smart about it, what you'll do is start trying to get as many income streams going as early as possible because you'll know that you won't be able to count on your band alone to, to help you survive. Yep. And between all of those things, you might be able to carve out a living for yourself or you might not, you know, yeah. but you're going to give it a shot, at least give it the best shot and give it a a, a fair shot relative to what the industry is really like, not some crazy shot based off of a delusion.
4: Yeah. Oh, totally. And and the idea of like, yes, you know what you can also do? You can also like, you know, work a job that you enjoy and still be creative. Like, you know, there's this like weird mutually exclusive world that people feel like they need to live in where it's like. Oh, I, I, I can't do that. I can't pursue that as heavily as I, I, I can, you know, if I have a job and I'm taking time away, it's like, well, yes, but most people then are confronted with the idea of like, oh, I'm too tired after work or whatever. And it's like, well, that's your decision. You know, like, yes, you may be too tired, but like, do you still want to be creative? Then just focus on that.
5: I mean, I hate to say it, but if that's the problem that you, that you're having, then maybe it's just not for you because, true. Yeah, yeah. you know, it didn't matter, it didn't matter how tired I was or how, you know, how little sleep I was getting when I was working my job. When I got home, I couldn't wait to get started on music. Right? Like you couldn't keep me away from that. So it wasn't like, oh, you know, well, I'm tired. Maybe I'll do something else. Like that wasn't part of the equation. That was where my job really started,
4: right? <laughs> not I, I, lo- I love that 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 mentality because it does. Yeah, if if people feel like the creative thing that they're pursuing is you know turns into like the quote unquote work that you, most people do because they have to you know make a living or whatever, it's like oh, that's awful. Like your creative side should give life to every other aspect of your life.
5: But, you know, I, I'll bring this back to an even broader point, which, again, probably a lot of people won't like to hear, but it's the truth. And maybe you'll forgive me for saying this down the road when <laughs> you realize that I'm right. But this job is not for everybody. It's not for most people. Most people who try this will not will not make it. And even if they had the opportunities, they wouldn't because they wouldn't enjoy it or they wouldn't like it once they see what it really is and what it, what it takes. And that's not saying anything about you as a person it's like it's not saying anything more about why that person prefers chocolate to vanilla or vanilla to chocolate people are just different and this job requires a certain type of person and some people are cut out for it and some people aren't the lie is that everyone can do it and that everyone who wants it can make it happen and that lie is propagated by all sorts of things basically institutions schools anyone who stands to make a buck from people believing that but the truth is it isn't just just in the same way as with any job you know like would I be cut out to be uh, on wall street probably not you know does that make me a shitty person i don't think so it just means that that's not what i was cut out to do or to be a doctor or a lawyer no and some people are and some people be very successful at being those things so i think it's just you know it's just important that a note that like yeah everyone who's interested should try but they should realize they should also know when to quit they should know when to call it when it's like all right maybe maybe this is just a hobby for me maybe i'm much happier if this is a hobby i don't try to force it a career that will never happen totally which would make you miserable trying to do it and and if you enjoy it as a hobby you'll at least enjoy it
4: yep totally. You, you have to, you have to be uh, aware enough to know your strengths and weaknesses. And yeah, if you're, if you're bad at math, you shouldn't do stuff that is a focal point of math. And if you're bad at, you know, whatever, right. play, playing guitar, then that should probably not be the focus <laughs> of your career. It's like, well, yeah, I guess you can, exactly. I guess you could work hard at it, but it doesn't mean that you're, you're going to be successful at it. So yeah, I, <laughs> I pre, I appreciate the real talk, Misha. <laughs>
5: Yeah, no problem,
4: man. But uh, yeah, dude, thank you so much. This has been fun. I, I knew I was going to enjoy this chat, and uh, yeah, you uh, you delivered in six. <laughs> thank you
5: very much, man. I appreciate it.
4: Yes, yes, yes. Thank you, Misha. I appreciate you hanging out and being so uh, so chill to talk to. You know. Uh, Thank you very much to Monica, his publicist, for helping this interview come along. I always appreciate when people think that uh, this podcast is uh, worth their while. And I really enjoy that aspect. So thank you very much to everybody involved from that perspective. Next week, we have this is actually a conversation that was uh, no joke, like nine months in the making. (laughs) It It was ridiculous. Basically, we had competing schedules. He was available. I wasn't he was uh, i was available he wasn't it just kept going back and forth like that but we finally did it uh donovan Milero. he is the drummer slash vocalist for a band called hail the sun which is part of this really really interesting music scene that is like uh it's like Prague, uh but you know also has like a punk and hardcore influence it's really really interesting i'll talk a lot more about it next week but uh donovan was a great chat And, uh, yeah, we went to a lot of fun places. So that is what's next week. All right? Do you hear that plane in the background? Yeah, I think I'm going to be flying soon. No, I'm just kidding. I just live right by an airport. So that's what's happening. But, uh, yeah, until then, please be safe, everybody.
2: You've been listening to the Jabberjaw Podcast Network, jabberjawmedia.com. Shh.
3: Drain from their soul.
6: Yeah, I think at The Daily Zeitgeist, we like to give people a balance of just enough news that they feel informed and just enough laughs that they're not overwhelmed and can have a decent day after listening.
3: So guys, listen to The Daily Zeitgeist on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are given away for
2: free. The show is sponsored by BetterHelp. Trust me in saying that no matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all of the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com.
3: Hey, hey, it's Malcolm Gladwell, host of Revisionist History. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
6: Infinity presents a new chapter in luxury.